0: Welcome to the Social Sex Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Bex Caputo. Right now, I work as a curator for Make Love Not Porn, and I've been a sex educator for most of my adult life, which means I've had countless fascinating and insightful conversations with sexuality professionals from around the globe. These days, some of the conversations I enjoy most are the ones I have with people who aren't necessarily practiced at talking about sex every day. I adore the opportunity to hear about their beliefs and their questions, to problem solve alongside them and brainstorm new avenues of pleasure for them to explore. I've partnered with Make Love Not Porn, the world's first social sex video sharing platform, to create this podcast, a space to have and share more of these important conversations, to learn what great real world sex can look like and how we can all have more of it. Welcome back, folks. I'm really excited to talk to you all again this week. I have another fantastic Make Love Not Porn star joining me today for a really great conversation. I was wondering if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and let them know a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hi there. Well, thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be a guest on the podcast. I'm really a very fun. avid listener. <laughs> and so my own name is Tig, it's a very irish name so i also have developed my new i guess i don't know persona performer name which i like to say is mix bell morrigan so the little info on that is bell comes from the celtic irish celtic uh, sun god bellinus and then the morrigan is the infamous goddess of death war all that cool fun stuff so yeah i was just like I kind of like to be sexy, but also I'm into horror and all that. So I'll throw it together. (laughs) Um,
0: That duality. Exactly.
1: Um, And what I do, uh, well, I'm in the standard kind of rat race nine to five job that kills my soul almost every day. But I outside of that, I am. The, very much trying to build up my own podcast, which is called Fishnets and Philosophy, because That's I love wearing fishnets and yeah. I studied philosophy, and I just I don't know I just think philosophy is one of those really big important subjects. That I think everyone should know about and talk about. Um, and yeah, I'm just a very creative person, always have been. And it's in my genes, my dad is an artist, so I get it from him, and then yeah, very creative person. And personally as well, I'm also non-binary. I use they, them pronouns, and it's been a relatively recent um, discovery of mine, only within the last few months. So that's Congrats. all very fun, new territory
0: as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true of a lot of folks, uh, particularly this year, being uh, I, one of the first, I think, to come out in many of my friend groups. Um I've had I've gotten a great many texts this year from people who are like, so, so gender. I've been thinking about that. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 we can talk. <laughs> um, but I, I love that, and I love that you're able to uh explore that. And the podcast sounds fascinating. I think I agree. I think philosophy is something that everyone should like. I think it is a thing a lot of people think of as like. I don't know, this big far away abstract thing for intellectuals in their ivory tower or whatever. So I'm always really excited to see people talking about it in a really like casual and approachable way and especially queer and trans folks talking about it because we're real great at thinking (laughs) about things in interesting ways.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And that's like what you said there is just such a really good point as well as that's always been my feeling having been someone who studied philosophy is that it is very much people in their ivory towers academics in a bit of a circle jerk all talking about (laughs) each other (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and all talking about cis white men ideas pretty much and I'm just like there's more interesting people with more interesting ideas let's try and make it a more universal approach So that's what I want to try and do whether we're successful or not
0: juries out hey listen the best you can do is try and that is how you learn to become successful with things at least that is what I tell my my perfectionist self (laughs) um well to get us started I would love to I mean we met because you were make love not porn star Mm -hmm. um and I would love to hear a little bit about kind of what drew you to our site and what like why you're so excited about sharing your videos there
1: yeah so well what introduced me to the site was through another podcast I love my podcasts Um the Glow West podcast which is done by Dr Cap- Catherine West she's an Irish uh, doctor um, like researcher and Cindy was a guest on the show and talked about Make Love Not Foreign and I was just like that just sounds amazing like the whole idea of it and I just because I think I've always been someone where I don't know, maybe like I'm an allosexual. I don't know what the correct term is, but sex and sexuality is just something that's, it is me. Like I can't, <laughs> I don't switch it off. So it's always there.
0: <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. I have uh I have a friend or a couple of friends who coined the term megasexual around mm-hmm. like <laughs> talking about kind of the spectrum, right? Because you mm-hmm. have ace folks who may, you know, feel drawn to sex in varying degrees or not at all, or even be repulsed by it. Allosexual folks are, tends to just encompass the rest of us. Right, And I yeah. have a couple of friends who, like, they were... Versus, they would talk to like demi friends and be like, "I really like. I need to get to know you and get really close to you, or whatever, to decide if I want to have sex with you." And like, I have other friends who are like, "I kind of gotta have sex with you to find out if we jive and rapport," and like that is a part of my bonding process, you know. And I was like, "Wow, that yeah, no, I, I that rings true." <laughs>
1: yeah, okay, I like that but term, anyway, mega sexual. Yes. That that yeah. that sounds quite apt, but um, yeah. but um, but yeah, like I've just like I've always been like a highly sexual person it's part of who I am and then I one thing that I'm very thankful and I think grateful to like my parents for is that when I was younger we were kind of raised like almost like naturists like we would go to nudist beaches a lot like and now this is nudist beaches in Ireland so they're not the particularly most pleasant because we don't have beach weather and <laughs> like you know usually you picture like a nudist beach and it might be you know, all, all the young, like 20 somethings, like spread out across the beach in France or something like that. And it's like, no, in Ireland, the regular <laughs> nudists are, you know, 60 up. <laughs> so it was a particular landscape. But at the same time, it just being naked around my family in a non sexual sense gave me this kind of just, like, I just, enjoy like being naked I love being naked like even back when I was presenting as a man and I had more body issues like self-confidence issues than I kind of do now I still didn't really have a problem being naked (laughs) it was just Mm -hmm. so I think I've always had, had no problem being naked and I'm also an exhibitionist I just like knowing that people are looking at me particularly if they're getting off to me. So, you know, that's like an extra level of fun. So yeah, when I found out that there was a site which was about sharing all aspects of sex, like, you know, not something that's necessarily performative, but just real life, this is how my pleasure looks for this person. I was like, yeah, I wanna, I'm gonna get in on that. Like, (laughs) that sounds really good.
0: Yeah, I love that. It it reminds me a little bit of um when you're talking about the nudist speeches, I was thinking of prior to the pandemic, I attended a lot of sex and kink conferences where we would either take over like a campground or a hotel and it was ours. So you could just be naked in the areas that belong to the kinksters. Right. Mm. Um, and yeah, the freedom of just like, yes, there are certainly people that I am into that walk by. like, I love that you don't, clothes are not required. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but there are also people that I'm just like, I don't know, you're just living, your like being able to just have casual conversations with people and not be Mm self-conscious of just how little or no clothes you're wearing is like a very particular energy and like it's really fun to kind of i don't know relax into that in my experience
1: yeah no definitely and like i don't know i feel like in the same sense that i think uh philosophy is one of those subjects that every single person should be like taught or learn about and at least in a certain certain philosophies anyway i also think being raised in a more naturist accepting of your body philosophy <laughs> is something that more people should do. Like there's like, you see it so much, particularly like uh, on online in certain spaces, but it's like, you'll see people freaking out about the thought of like a child naked in the same room with their parents or something like that. And it's just like, why is that a like it's like people like sexualize the naked body so much that there's like this the body can only be sexual like it can't just be a naked body so it's trying to find that divide I think and also if more people are raised naturists I think we might might have less kind of body self-image issues because people are just used to being naked and being naked is okay regardless of how your body looks so yeah and I love that make love as the platform the website categorizes bodies of all shapes sizes of all genders you know colors um because it's just yeah human the human body the naked human body when it's having fun is a great thing
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely i think a lot of people hear things like that and think oh gosh i i in my body right now would be really uncomfortable naked in a room with family members and things and it's like Yes, because you have not done that. And because that is like, because culturally we've put a lot of shame and a lot of sexualization around nudity. So now it feels weird, which is why we're suggesting like (laughs) you may not, it may not feel that way if you hadn't done it your whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that that's really interesting and that like it, it would be really helpful to kind of divorce those two ideas for people. Yeah, no, Um, definitely.
1: Not necessarily suggesting that someone has to, you know, go into a room (laughs) naked with their adult family right now, but it's more that you might be in a better space if you had it when you were younger. (laughs) Right,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, That if, like, nudity did not have all all of the hang-ups that it does Mm. now, you know um i I would love to talk a little bit more about growing up in ireland um because one of the things you had mentioned to me um before this conversation is that sex ed was not so much a thing um and as someone who was raised in america that's certainly true here but i'm always fascinated to hear i don't know what your experience was like and w- was it talked about at all like what what did you encounter in like traditional school sex ed i guess
1: yeah like um it's practically like ireland uh you know is a very historically like catholic country like where as a country as a society irish people culturally are still kind of dealing with the shame aspect that's associated with sex as a result of that in catholic institutional like the catholic church was everywhere like it was only it's only been—I think—was early two thousands. So I don't it know the exact year. I'm—I can send it on after. But basically, was when the Ma- last Magdalen laundry was shut down, and the Magdalen laundries were essentially homes for unwed mothers. And oh wow! The, yeah, like basically, if you had sex outside of marriage and you got pregnant, you were basically put in this institution. You were shut away from society and ignored and forgotten. And there was so many women like their lives turned upside down from that institution and on the other end of things as well a lot of their babies were sold to families in america and yeah there's this huge problem with the catholic church but the church being an institution in ireland is just there as historically so because of that so much of our schools the church is part of schooling as well you have specific religious schools. So if it's a religious school, you can forget that sex ed is even a thing. Like it might come in at your last year, if that. Um,
0: and if you're going to a religious school, would that be, I guess, is that still like government school? Like would you just growing up go to that? Or here it would be a private school that we would enroll and pay extra for versus our public schools, which tend to be not religious.
1: No, no, they're public. It, it would be, It's okay. public schools. They're like still government funded which yeah it i just think is ridiculous like how can you have separation of church and state if this church is still getting funded to educate people like yeah it's so backwards but in my school which was thankfully not a like religious religious school like it was multi denominational which was good but even the sex ed was taught by this organization called accord who are guess what funded by the catholic church so yeah exactly so like like sex ed was only pretty much don't have sex it was abstinence based and then purity on the biological aspects and also the biological aspects of penis and vagina penetrative cisgender sex like there still is no such thing as sex ed for queer youth or even the you know teaching that sex isn't just penetration. Sex is whatever those two consenting adults make it to be between them. And yeah, like sex ed, I think, and it's probably the same but in America, it just takes this approach of sexual education should only be about the biological aspect of reproduction and not about the emotional relating consent like all those other layers that come into what sex is and what sex can be and I think that's why so many people when they get into adulthood can have bad relationships to sex because of the way that society teaches them what sex is and what it isn't and lack of proper education and I think you'll see a lot of particularly i think in america more so than here but it's starting to leach over here to ireland as well but the whole thing of like you know highly conservative almost like republican type politicians those type of mentality kind of saying oh porn is the reason that people have bad relationships to sex and it's like no no that's a mm-hmm. scapegoat society's really rela- society's own relationship to sex is the problem you're just <laughs> pinning it right. on that one avenue
0: but, yeah right. <laughs> the uh, our society's issues with porn is that we don't teach media literacy around them, right? Like um, if we were to approach it the same way we approach the Avengers and all like the TV shows I watch every week, you know? Um, I was trying to pick a modern thing and I'm stuck in like shows from the 90s right now. I'm like, I don't know, West Wing, it's not real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but our relationship i think to what sex could look like would be so different if we were like it the answer isn't get rid of porn it's more in addition to porn right Candid exactly. conversations like we're having um videos that are less performative right videos like we have on make love not porn um and and just being able to like connect and relate around these things. Um, And it's a big part of what I'm trying to do with this show as well. Another really interesting thing uh, that you said there it, that was also true for me in my experience of sex ed in America is that it's very focused on PIV, right? Um, the the only sex that they're worth they're interested in telling you about is the kind that results in babies and how to not have them. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did get some birth control conversations, I did get some STI conversations, um, but there was no discussion of just pleasure, which in my experience as a sex educator who works with adults now, it's wild the number of um, people that it, it doesn't even occur to them right away that sex is supposed to feel good, that they should mm. be communicating and conveying that this is a fun thing that they can enjoy in all these ways. Um, and I think that kind of education has a lot to do with that Uh, and it reminds me of something you said uh, in the little questionnaire we exchanged earlier um because i ask what is your favorite kind of foreplay and your answer was that you don't believe in it and i would love to hear you talk more about that (laughs) yeah no um
1: i'd actually like the phrase that coinage isn't like something i came up with again i heard it on another episode of the glow west podcast and but basically Yeah, like, as in, I just think it puts this unnecessarily hierarchical, I guess. I love saying that (laughs) word. Yes, exactly.
0: It's a a tongue twister, but when you get it right, it's just
1: fun. Oh, I know. (laughs) As another polyamorous person, like, being able Mm -hmm. to use that word, is just, yes. Um, Any
0: opportunity. (laughs) Exactly. It's overly hierarchical.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah, exactly. It puts it, like, kind of, this structure onto sex in the sense that, top level is penis and vagina, like, you know, penetrative sex. Like, So not even penis, just any form of penetrative sex. Like, you know, penetrative sex is the top of the pedestal. So that's what sex is. Everything before that is what leads up to sex, is foreplay. So you could have all the foreplay in the world, but if you don't have any penetration, then that structure implies that sex hasn't been had. And that's, it. that's something that I, like, had to... Like overcome myself, like within my own, like kind of sex life, and um, like you know, past partners and stuff like that. In the sense that, as a person who owns a penis, owns—I don't know if that's the right word—we'll go with it. Um,
0: and <laughs> <laughs> you sign the lease documents; you keep them in your lockbox. Wait, is that how I get one? Shit! All right, moving to Ireland anyway. Go on.
1: <laughs> um, but um, as a penis owner, um, basically, like, what can happen sometimes, especially if. You put a lot of pressure on yourself, which again happens for a lot of penis owners, is that it might not work when you want it to, and then you might not have that penetration. And then I would beat myself up, saying, like, even though I had done all other fun stuff with my partner at the time, and it was great fun stuff, we had great fun sex, but in my head, I was going, well, we haven't had sex. I failed at the sex because we didn't do the act that sex is supposed to be about, and, yeah, that's why I think, I don't know, I think we need to get rid of the word foreplay because it just implies that it's leading up to the sex act. Like, whether yeah. it's just kissing each other on your neck, sucking your toes, doing whatever it is, when your two bodies are involved in it, that that is sex. It doesn't have Penetration doesn't even have to be on the table for sex to have occurred. And I think if more people kind of approach sex from that, perspective if that's what education revolved around teaching the different ways that sex can look like it would lead to more pleasurable sex for people and i think as well especially when you consider you know and people who have vaginas who might suffer from vaginismus penetration is almost impossible like or it can be incredibly painful and approaching sex from penetration doesn't need to occur for sex to happen means that people with that condition can still say I have a healthy sex life or I have a good sex life, even though penetration Mm -hmm. isn't occurring.
0: So yeah. And, and even in relationships, obviously like queer relationships that Mm -hmm. don't necessarily have a penis involved or have a store-bought one that they don't always feel like pulling out of the drawer. You know? Um, I, I think you're right. I think that is a huge issue that a lot of people encounter particularly um, folks in straight relationships Mm. or like um, primarily straight relationships, I think really lean on this. Cause I think queer folks like part of built into our sex lives is kind of deconstructing that and talking a little more about it and also taking turns. Um, Like there's a lot of things that like, it is just, Harder for my partner and I to necessarily get off at the same time doing all the things we enjoy, um so I do think that is a thing that queer folks uh kind of i don't know are 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 forced to come to by circumstance more mm. often than I think um, straight folks tend to be. Um, but I, I love this because this is a big part of honestly why I put that question in the survey. It's because I love seeing all the ways different people define foreplay because I definitely, I get some people who are, um, who will just drop like blowjobs and fingering in there. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, that's just fucking, but okay, great. (laughs) Like, Like that is, and if that's what comes to mind, um, but I do think that it can be easy for that to fall into kind of a lesser tier mm. if we're thinking it as, of, as just the thing that comes beforehand rather than something that can be the main event in and of itself.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm very much of two minds about this one because on the one hand, I'm like, yes, and sex can be anything. So foreplay is stupid. And then I'm like, well, wait, <laughs> but then if sex is like all of the warm, yummy things I do with my body Then what is foreplay? And I start to think about, like... I don't know, those moments on a date with someone when like you both know you're going to have sex later, like you've either talked about it or you've just decided, but like not yet. Maybe you got to like get home or you're watching a movie and like you you still want to see what happens, let's be honest, (laughs) but like, you know, it's coming and that like tingly energy and all like the flirting that happens in there, like that is, if I were to answer the question, that's where I would sit. And like, it's so interesting to see the range between things like that or like, having a dirty note stuck in my backpack that i find it when i'm at work later you know and like things like that to like people who are like no blowjobs that's my like go-to foreplay i love that (laughs) shit and i'm like great like live your life cool
1: exactly yeah i know just when you were saying like about taking like i think that's another thing about queer people queer folk something like it's like we want to get to a place where necessity for any form of labeling of labels is just redundant we don't need labels for anything but at the same time we love our labels because it really <laughs> helps us to understand where we are so it's mm-hmm. like that like and it's the same thing with that foreplay it's like at this it's like a schrodinger's foreplay like um, <laughs> it's both mm-hmm. stupid and non Like, doesn't mean anything but at the same time it it does have some weight to it but i think yeah i think right. to me if i was going to I would say foreplay is maybe good, open and honest communication between you and your partner or partners. That's what I would say foreplay is, because I think once you can have that level of open, honest, completely like, you know, you can say, I have this thing that I might like to try and not feel that you're going to be rejected for it. If you can have that open channel of back and forth communication, it's just going to lead to better sex whatever way that sex looks
0: yeah no i I definitely agree and i think this is that is absolutely a feeling that rings true about more than foreplay certainly a lot of gender and related things i'm like i don't know what is being a man it means nothing and also everything to me i don't know Um, so I, I definitely agree that these, there are a lot of things that are like, once you kind of pick it apart and realize it's, it's made up and doesn't mean anything, it, it, it can also mean whatever you need it to mean, which is yeah. also really cool. Yeah. So one of the other things we were talking about there is how sometimes queer sex is a little asymmetrical, right? You take Mm -hmm. turns feeling pleasure or giving each other pleasure and exchanging that. Um, And sometimes it can be mutual. Uh, And one of the things you mentioned, we asked about masturbation and me time. And one of the things you said is you really love mutual masturbation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think some pushback, like I too love it, but I think some pushback I hear is sometimes it's like, well, why aren't you just having sex then like if you if you can jerk off together what's the fun in that versus having sex with each other and I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what's exciting about that for you yeah and well like straight up it's just fucking Mm -hmm. hot like that's what it
1: is (laughs) you know straight up (laughs) but um to deconstruct it and approach the (laughs) philosophical and tie you know put, put my philosopher's hat on um but uh I think it's it's being able to see your partner or partners depending on how many people are mutually masturbating more the merrier but um seeing your partner's pleasure like it's this kind of like mutual reciprocation of you're both getting pleasure from seeing each other getting pleasure and it's just like this beautiful dance of the two of you just like and it's a lot of time can just be this there's no Noise of like, it's just silence. Like, you know, there could, there can be dirty talk. Sometimes there isn't. And it's just this, again, it's a beautiful dance. I just love that phrase. But, um, and I think with sex is like a lot of it is you can see the pleasure, but a lot of it is more you're kind of just lost in the sexual act. So you're kind of just enjoying the sex for what it is, enjoying the sex with your partner, enjoying whatever it is it being experienced, but you're not necessarily visually seeing the pleasure you're more kind of physically experiencing it and i think with mutual masturbation you get as a very visual person i like i love watching my watching so it's a very i don't know it's a very great way of being able to see your partner's pleasure but also get pleasure from that yeah yeah yeah.
0: (laughs) no i i absolutely agree um i mean just like practically right if my partner's sitting on my face i'm not seeing one front of them like i'm there i'm otherwise yes. occupied right like if i'm fucking someone i am feeling really good and that's distracting and i'm also focusing on what they're doing and making sure that i'm still doing things that feel good for them and running exactly. through the rolodex of things that i know that they like because i've probably fucked them before like you know the whole thing and that's a lot and it's really fun and i'm spinning a lot of plates right exactly um, and and i think there is something to just being able to lay back and feel good and know that your partner's feeling good cuz they're the one doing it and they know how to get themselves off they have probably the most practice at this exactly um, so you're not thinking about any of those things you're just you know at most maybe learning the things that they enjoy by watching them but otherwise it's just this mutual experience and there is some i think real vulnerability in that too mm-hmm. in that You are both taking away both of those distractions. You're not like moving in the position that like this feels good. And also it like covers this bit of me that I'm insecure about or like, oh, we can, you know, maybe we'll fuck this way. But like with the lights off or whatever, like it is this very like I want to see and be seen and Mm -hmm. show all the way up in a way that can be really, really, I think, intimate and connective for a lot of people exactly 100
1: and i think that's the other thing i love about it is the intimacy building like in this, like one of my like pa- ex-partners and the beauty of polyamory which can a lot of the time can float into relationship anarchy sometimes is that we're not partners but we're still really good friends and flirt all the time but we're not partners so i still have that connection in my life it's just changed but uh when we were and partners it was just there was uh, stages of as I was waiting for the results of an STI test, because, none, you know, practice safety is the most important thing. A new person, neither of you want to go there until you both know you're safe. Um, so waiting for that, but we were still, like, kind of, you know, ramping up the gears of getting really flirtatious with each other, and it was kind of like, okay, we're really into each other and we really want to do something, but my results haven't come in yet. So it was kind of like, but we also have to be practical and not just take a risk, even though, like, I knew that there wouldn't have been for donkeys <laughs> months since I'd had anything, but it was more just for <laughs> my own knowing, getting that.
0: Yes. Um, right, right. You want to, you want to do the thing. Exactly. You know?
1: <laughs> and uh, so it was like, let's do this. And it was just so incredibly hot. And it was, again, it just built that closer level of intimacy before we even went to having sex, sex, we, like, you know, so it was, yeah, it was just a really great way of, intimacy
0: bonding. Yeah, and it's definitely something to just have in your back pocket when Mm -hmm. other things are not available, right? Um, Whether it is because you're waiting on that STI test, whether it's, you know, someone has vaginismus, the way we were talking about earlier, which can um, be vaginal pain around uh, around penetration. Um, It can be, you know, even just like practically, mutual masturbation can happen over a computer, right? Um, Mutual masturbation can happen like... I don't know when logistically maybe having sex is just not like you're you're in the back of a car or something and you're like well the shape of us doesn't fit <laughs> for sex in here but I can certainly watch you jerk off you know like it's just another an, another thing to have in your toolkit another way to mm-hmm. experience pleasure with someone else to explore exactly yeah um, I would love you mentioned re, uh, relationship anarchy I would love I think that's the first time we've talked about it on the show so I'd love if you could give like a brief definition of what that looks like for you because I know that is not going to be a universal definition
1: <laughs> exactly and um, I guess, like, yeah, that's the thing. There's no, like, that's the, I guess, the catch-22, the beautiful thing of yeah. anarchy is that there is no actual universal anarchy. Like, it's, you know, everyone takes it. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, for every poly, there's no definition, but most certainly this one. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Like, and, and, but for me, like, I think it's just the way I approach relationships, as in, particularly more, like, since I accepted myself as non-binary, I don't know, it's like once I accepted myself, it made me more excited to get to know other people because they were going to finally get to know the real me. It wasn't this mask that I was putting on. And yeah, so when it comes to approaching relationships, I used to, particularly when I was in the whole monogamous relationship escalator mindset, approach it in the sense of I am looking for a relationship. This is what a relationship has to look like. And it's almost like, like magnets if you're going with this intent of like, this is what I want to get, you universe is going to push back and go, no, you're not going to get that because you're trying to get it. <laughs> Whereas now mm-hmm. I'm just like, I just want to get to know fun, fabulous, particularly queer, fabulous people. So whatever way the relationship forms naturally is beautiful. That can be something that's purely platonic, great platonic um, kind of friendship. It could be something that's romantic or it could be something that's purely casual and physical, or it could be like a smorgasbord of all of them at the same time. And for me, that's what relationship anarchy means. It means that every relationship has the freedom to develop in whatever way it develops between me and that person. And whatever way it forms, whatever way it ends up, is equally a beautiful thing, because it's another person that's come into my life. So that's a great thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And 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 it's also in that non-hierarchical kind of mindset that we were talking about earlier, which is generally where I get to use that word <laughs> um, because my poly relationship styles are fairly similar. I tend to feel drawn to relationship anarchy or solo poly yes. as kind of the descriptors, um, but it's basically like I show up to each of my relationships excited to see where it goes and with kind of this mentality of potential um and i try not to let my other relationships place arbitrary limits on the relationships that i'm having right uh, my partner doesn't have veto power and my partner and i have been together for oh god probably we're coming up on time isn't real year and a half coming <laughs> exactly up on two years, time like isn't that. real oh, no. yeah <laughs> not anymore um <laughs> But anyway, we've been together for a very long time. They are one of the people I trust most in this world. If they come to me and say, mm, I have some opinions about this person, I'm still going to listen, right? Yeah. Um, they are a person whose opinions I trust, and they don't get to arbitrate how I have my relationships. I might listen to them and go, I don't believe you. You're wrong. And I might come back several weeks later and be like, I lied. I lied. <laughs> but, you know relationships between people are complicated but i do i try to come to them with this I- idea of hopefulness um mm-hmm. so i i related a lot to what you said there um one of the things you mentioned is that uh sometimes relationships will develop casually but i noticed in the survey you said like casual relationship casual sex is not towards the top of your priority list. It's not a thing you go to very often, um, but you do tend to seek out sex workers as an option Mm -hmm. for casual sex. Um, I think that is a thing that, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, right? People aren't super comfortable talking about sex, so they don't tend to talk about this. And I think a lot of people think of hiring sex workers or working with sex workers as this thing that like, other people do that I couldn't, net is so wild. I could <laughs> never. So I would love to hear a little bit about like your experience. What, how does that work? What does that look like? Yeah.
1: Um, well, it's, it's tricky in Ireland. um because unfortunately Ireland, again, coming back to yay, the Catholic church having a power grip over our entire society. Um in Ireland, we have adopted the Nordic model. Which, Mm, uh, for anyone who might not know what that is, it basically means that you punish the sex buyer. That's what it's supposed to do. But in Ireland, they don't do it that way at all. I think since they've brought it in, there's been two sex purchasers, sex buyers, who've actually been punished. But there's been upwards of over a 100 sex workers who have been jailed or whatever for sex work. And,
0: and the nordic model is often toted as something that is like positive for sex workers that would be better than what we have in the states uh and most of the sex worker like activists i've spoken to speak against it and and say that like it is a ploy it doesn't help us there that is what they're telling <laughs> you to get you to adopt it <laughs>
1: exactly 100 percent. it's like if a sex worker hasn't been involved in helping come up with the legislation then it's not as Positive like <laughs> sex worker legislation, but the re like so it makes it tricky, but it still happens because it happens everywhere. Um, but um, basically reason that I kind of prefer it, and when I kind of say casual like sex, I kind of refer to the kind of the idea of like hookup culture of like one night stands and stuff like that. Like a casual kind of like friends with benefits relationship is different because you. have Formed a relationship that just has fun sex involved, whereas like one night stand style hookup culture, I don't like that. That's kind of where I diverge, and um, with my definition of casual sex, and um, because the reason that I don't like it is, I don't know. I just think the idea of one night stands, particularly the, like pickup hookup culture going into a bar, it isn't really that ethical. I don't know. Like it doesn't seem that ethical to me, in the sense. That like it's involved because also as well it involves the exchange a lot of the time of money in the form of maybe drinks or a meal or stuff like that with the hope of having sex reciprocated and then a lot of the time again with cisgender heterosexual couples where it happens the most is the man gets his bit and then doesn't talk to the woman ever again and i don't know i just Mm -hmm. find that weird with me it doesn't sit right and whereas there's sex worker it's like there's a agreement as in i'm Mm -hmm. going there for a service and that it's sex like that's what i'm there for the sexual act and it's someone who's you know agreeing to sell the service like so yeah that's why and i've had some of my best sexual experiences with sex workers amazing experiences with some amazing people because sex workers are people too and some of them have the most wonderful fascinating lives like you build like in a way you can almost build a like a relationship if you continue to see the same sex worker
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a rapport there. And I know sex worker friends who've been seeing the same clients for years and feel close to them. Like I know clients who have like mourned when a client stopped seeing them after decades because, you know, they wound up in a relationship or they moved or mm-hmm. it just didn't work out the way like and not that people in relationships obviously don't see sex workers, but you know, people's statuses change and the reasons that they seek out sex workers change. And I know a lot of sex workers who have like genuinely mourned the loss of a client. Like, yes, obviously income, but also there is there is a connection there and there is an intimacy and they do spend time together. And the exchange of money doesn't make that less true. Um and I definitely was hearing what you were saying about how particularly uh, heteronormative hookup culture yes. has this very clear script and it's very easy for it to tip into becoming exploitative because It is easy for you to assume that you are, uh, particularly, and I'm speaking from experience as someone socialized as a woman, it's very easy to assume that you are obligated to follow a certain set of steps, right? Surprised consent is certainly a thing that is not talked about enough. So there is certainly something appealing about being able to just very explicitly, like, Obviously, you can have these conversations in hookup culture, and it's not a part of the script, and it can feel vulnerable being the person being like, hi, I would like to (laughs) negotiate in detail what our evening's going to look like, when you don't know if the other person has done any of the work to expect that. So it can be so comforting to, particularly, I am a person, I am not neurotypical, um, and I am also (laughs) very, very kinky. So... Hiring sex workers has appealed to me both in the convenience of like, ah, yes, this is a person who will be very structured and used to my like weirdly rigid kind of communication. It will not be a thing that I'll have to like onboard someone into getting used to. And it's also like... There are a lot of kinky things I want to do that require a very particular set of skills. It can be so comforting to just hire someone who I know is good at it. Like I'm involved in my local scene. There are people who have reputations for being good at the thing that I enjoy doing. And sometimes I'm craving that and I don't want to go find someone who is very good at that and also has rapport with me and also is free two Saturdays after next for like, I I just want to like...
1: You just want to do the thing, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Just like when you're talking about that, like about knowing that the person that you're hiring is good at what you're looking for. I had my first pegging experience with a sex worker and it was euphoric and spectacular. But the other reason why it was just, I wanted to go to the sex worker is in my own personal life again back in the old days when i thought i was man and i thought i was monogamous like it's like there's just this like break of like you know <laughs> past and now um mm-hmm. but uh one of the like my partners at the time uh when i suggested that like i wanted to you know just use a foot plug the partner freaked out and said what are you gay and that was just like the one thing just I just don't understand that logic but also right. <laughs> exactly but also it was like such a knock to like to kind of like push like kind of anal play as something I can do off the shelf so like it took a lot of like kind of like getting back into actually no I really enjoy this and I really want this and then I was thinking I really want to be pegged and that's one of those things where it's like it you have to be vulnerable with someone kind of going will you fuck me with a shop on whereas at least i know i can go to a sex worker and it was the most spectacular thing because they were also non-binary and it was just Mm, they understood yeah it was just this extra (sighs) level of like you also know understand the whole (laughs) what is gender (laughs) um and it was a could take a fantastic
0: experience. (laughs) And there's something so great about like, especially if you know that's a service they offer, like there's something so great about being able to ask for this thing you're nervous about and knowing you're going to get a yes. Like, Mm -hmm. and also knowing that that person's whole job is to never talk about it again if you don't want them to. (laughs) 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 They can disappear into the ether and you can, like, if you were like, wow, I really want to try pegging and got 15 minutes into it and was like, so today I learned I do not like pegging. Um, this is awkward. Uh, have a good rest of your night. Like, that, sure, that's fine. They still got paid. Like, you, you haven't fully let someone down. You haven't, like, gone on this huge, long emotional journey to get a partner comfortable with something and then found out, well, never mind. So, uh, like, there's something really freeing about being able to have that vulnerable moment. Exactly, With someone just separate from your life.
1: One hundred percent. I think that's what it is, and I think that's what a lot of people when they like talk about sex work, and that's the real emphasis on about. They're not talking to sex workers; they're talking about sex work. Is that they don't see the vulnerability that is involved, like as in they don't see it as that they just see it as using and stuff like that. Like they don't, you know see it as like like that's the sex worker is offering a really valuable service. Like not valuable yeah. in the sense that it's like it has value to the person receiving it. Like I'm not yeah. <laughs> like it an it's arbitrary. A <laughs>
0: and an emotional experience. Yes. Right? Like, it, 100%. Yeah. Like they are they are offering a lot more than just like an orgasm, which is I think what a lot of people assume. Exactly. Um and I even like, I, it is a great opportunity to experience a thing, like, in a bubble away from your world and learn out learn what you think about it. I also, I know a sex worker who uh, is also a sex educator and offers sessions for couples where she will teach one partner how to peg another. Because sometimes there are certainly things that, like, you're really excited about and your partner may also be super on board and you're both like, man, I, I don't know, <laughs> shit. Like, I don't... And let's go for lets the biggest for thing living. possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, And you can look up a bunch of articles online. Sure. All the information is out there. You can watch videos. You can learn a lot. And you can pay someone to stand in a room with you and have a really hot, sexy time and give you that information. Like, that's exactly. also a great option that, like... When I heard she said, I was like, why are, why is no one else talking about this? This is
1: amazing. (laughs) Exactly. Talk like, that is, that is, that does sound actually 100% amazing. It's like, that should just, like, this is why I just, like, just let people, like, say sex work is work. And if we remove the, like, stigma and shame attached to it, then it means that so much more people can have measurable sexual experiences and better more positive sexual experiences because they can get a professional in who can kind of like go yeah teach them ropes or whatever yeah
0: yeah because we talk about like i think a lot of that stigma and shame that you're highlighting at least here becomes I don't know, kind of goes through the translation machine and comes out as um, it's dehumanizing and it's exploitative to the workers and we need to save them. Like working at McDonald's ain't exploitative. Like any other thing capitalism (laughs) requires us to do to ourselves (laughs) does not sometimes become exploitative. Like, yes, there are issues with labor in the world and the ways we treat workers, that is not exclusive to sex work. Exactly. and Pretending 100%. it is doesn't help anyone at all.
1: No, one hundred percent. And also, at approaching the whole guise of we want to stop, you know, trafficking, and it's just like trafficking happens more within the agriculture, fishing, like all those kind of industries. There are far more <laughs> problems mm-hmm. and cases of trafficking within those industries. Than there are within the sex work industry, but Mm -hmm. it's because it's sex, and Mm -hmm. sex is this thing that's supposed to be completely separate from like everything else in your life. Like sex is this holy grail, like you know, and it's just like, yeah, that's why I love the idea of make love not porn. I think I hope it becomes more, like, bigger everywhere. Mm -hmm. I want like as in (laughs) just because of the fact that I think, particularly within Ireland um because we're such a repressed country when it comes to sex like talking about sex is not like a you know normal thing like it's not something that just comes up regularly in conversations and stuff like that and yeah so i hope the platform goes bigger so we can just yeah remove the shame around sex. And I think once we did that, it would lead to there being less shame about sex work because it would no longer be sex is this separate, complete thing that has to be protected. It would just be sex is just part of being human.
0: And some people work in that area. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's such a beautiful note to end it on. Thank you so much for <laughs> wrapping us up. So lovely. Um, before we head out, I would love if you can tell folks a little bit about where they can find you on Make Love Not Porn and the rest of the internet if you're interested in sharing.
1: Yeah. So on Make Love Not Porn, um, my username is Kinky Philosophy. <laughs> and then I've changed my display name. I think, yeah, my display name is Mix Bell I've updated it. So if you want to find me there, it's Mix, M-X-B-E-L, Morrigan, M-O-R-R-I-G-A-N, and I'm the same on Instagram as well, and then i'm starting to grow my podcast which is fishnets underscore and underscore philosophy and i that's everywhere where podcasts are and um, but yeah so if you want to find me instagram is the best bet because i did have twitter but i just found out i doom scroll the entire time so i got rid of my twitter sounds right so i just like have my, my instagram experience. and tiktok as well so i mix bell morgan on both and make love not porn. so yeah watch my stuff and tell me you enjoy it <laughs>
0: yay excellent it was so so lovely talking to you today thank you so much thank you for having me. it was an absolute pleasure (laughs) the social sex revolution podcast is brought to you by make love not porn the world's first and only user-generated human-curated social sex video sharing platform We're what Facebook would be if it allowed you to socially, sexually self-express. The window you've always wanted onto how we all have sex in the real world. It's funny, messy, beautiful, awkward, comical, moving, inspiring. See for yourself why we're self-help for your sex life at makelovenotporn.tv. Welcome back, everyone. I'm joined once again by Ariel for Curation Corner. Uh, We ended off that last conversation with a really, really lovely chat about uh, working with sex workers and the beauty of hiring them and why it's really helpful. And it reminded me of the conversation we had, uh, I think it was last week. I don't know. Time travel is weird in podcast land Um, about... When we were mentioning Finn and some of the real world porn performers that we have sharing their real world sex on Make Love Not Porn. Uh, So I thought this would be a great opportunity to highlight some of our other favorite real world uh, porn stars on our site.
2: Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this. I mean, I think that we touched on it last time, but for people maybe just tuning into this episode, um, make love, not porn is so lucky to have a lot of people who do porn professionally also share their real world sex on make love, not porn. And I think that that's just such a unique window into, um, people's sex lives. And I know that make love, not porn strives to showcase sexuality in like all of its forms. And I just feel like people who are, um, engaging in sexuality in that professional context in porn just have such a unique view of like the difference between real world sex offset and onset. And I'm just really grateful that we get to have that from quite a few people. Actually, um, we have like a, a decent amount of porn stars who share their real world sex on make love, not porn, which again, I just think is so cool. And I'm so grateful that we
0: have that. And I love how often they will talk to us about, um, in rather in the description or in the video itself, about kind of the differences between their experience on set and what they're doing there. It reminds me of a recent video we had from uh, Tabby and Monkey, where in the intro... Uh, it was filmed right after she had filmed something for work and she was like well the custom asked me to do all of these things and wear all of this uncomfortable lingerie and everything and then she just kind of shifts the camera a little bit to the right and she's like I know my room looks really clean but look at all the piles of everything I shoved just out of frame before recording this <laughs> right um, and then the video is just her stripping out of all of the like uncomfortable like dressy things that she had put on for the video to have an orgasm in the way that feels really good to her
2: yeah i think that that's such a good example and i think that i think that you know sex work is there's so much to be said about sex work and how like the internet is changing it and how, you know, I think it's like turning into more and more of like a spectrum. Um, but um yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of like the custom stuff especially is just so much of oriented in performance and an angle towards like audience view. And I think that on Make Love Not Porn, um, the, you know, consistent thing that's centered is pleasure and that person's pleasure. And not to say that like performance and pleasure are dichotomous, like they're absolutely not. But I do think that like orienting, um, the video about someone's own orgasm and what feels good to that person is, you know, a little bit different than like, it, like making a whole set and like a whole costumed like experience for a viewer.
0: Yeah, I in my experience doing custom videos for people, it is a lot of fun and it brings me a lot of joy and pleasure in like, I find people fascinating. I love hearing the things that turn them on and being able to like really creatively incorporate that with things I enjoy and create this like artistic product for them. That's really fun and exciting. And it is a very different energy from the energy I bring to wow, I need to come and I'm just going to like go get off really quick. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think like it is not to say that that is not fun for them and it is not a thing they enjoy, but there is different kind of enjoyment to um, the, the kind of videos that we have. Uh, we also have... Janira does a lot of videos that are filmed. Uh, she has two accounts, Janira's Lovers and The Wolves. And a lot of her videos are filmed right after filming content for work cuz you'll she does uh fetish content and i think less sexual content in on her other sites and then in our videos she'll often be like stripping out of the latex she had worn for that video or like um you will see the i don't know the accessories in the background and she's like okay but i do enjoy my job and like My job got me horny because I was doing a lot of things I enjoy, but not focused on coming, focused on making this cool art. And now I have this other video for Make Love Not Porn that's about, I don't know, dealing with all the feelings I had after making my videos, you know, and that's so fun.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad that we have that. I feel like Make Love Not Porn videos are like equivalent of like taking your bra off when you get home. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. That's like the vibe. I I just took my tits off, but you know,
0: not (laughs) an option for everyone.
2: I mean, also, you know, that's a great decision. Um, another like video that, or another make love, not porn star who I've been thinking a lot about is Von Betty, um, who I love. And I'm so glad that we have her on the site and we've, she's been submitting videos, I think since like 2015 or 2016, she's, she's been around for a bit and she does a lot of stuff for like crash pad series, um, which I'm a huge fan of and other more like indie queer porn companies. And a lot of her videos also feature people that she met on set and, I think that that's cool too, to just be like, Hey, like we had this like really great connection and this is a video of us fucking after we record or to get to know each other for this set. Like this is like the real world sex that we had to kind of establish connection to take this. And I think that that is also such like an interesting window into that world and um, how I think lines can kind of blur. And yeah, I just, especially queer people. um...
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, I love that because like I'm thinking of some of the videos she has at the, uh, I think Berlin Porn Film Festival where she's met people. Um, And you can tell it has that energy of like, wow, we've been coworkers on the internet for a minute and we're in the same city for the first time. And I love that so much because I don't know about you, but I've worked a lot of other like civvy jobs where I've also had crushes on coworkers, right? These are the people we're spending a ton of time together with. And that like, I don't know, coworker crushy romantic energy is fun. And it like it is both surprising and not surprising at all that w- that would also exist in the porn industry.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that and I think that like a lot of her videos harness that crush energy so well where you can totally see this like bubbling giggly like excited vibe when they finally do get to meet each other or do get to fuck or you know all of these iterations of it and I think that you know, she's just, I love her videos so much. And I think that she really understands the importance of like not editing, not to say that, you know, all videos on make love, not porn need to not be edited. We have some like very beautifully shot edited videos and it's just about what makes you feel comfortable. But she has that one Halloween video where she is like dressed like a sexy fox and is like, like deep throating her girlfriend's cock and just starts coughing. Like <laughs> not like, not like subtly, like a full, On coughing fit that I think is like two minutes long. And her girlfriend then like brings her ginger ale and is like, Are you okay, baby? And like rubs her back, and like it's just like also ridiculous because she's dressed as this fox, like has like (laughs) full-on like butt plug tail and everything. And it's just so cute. And I feel like you know, that is such a good example of leaving those moments in and how like affirming that can be and validating to kind of see those weird moments. So I just I really love that video. It's so cute. It's her Halloween video. I think it's called like getting foxy or something but you can find it.
0: <laughs> I think obviously this is not exclusive to folks who are pros but I think it does speak to that level of comfort f- with just I don't know in a in that particular video I think there is maybe one person filming it or even just the camera in the corner but often like on a set there would be other people around there would be like you just get used to these things that in any other person's life would be kind of hidden and kind of like the one thing that only you experienced and you have to wonder if anyone else has ever experienced it in your life, like happens on a soundstage, right? It happens with other people who are also like laughing and getting you ginger ale. (laughs) Like how you feeling? How's it going? Whatever. Like you have a community of people around you sharing in these experiences in a way that most people aren't used to.
2: Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, I think that people who do do porn like are so in that world where I think that they also like, I think that in porn, I would assume that you get like a crash course and like bodies and like differences and like, you know, like all of these like things that I think for most people who don't have that same exposure can be like anxiety inducing. And I think that just because they have like, they spend so much time in that world, it's just a really different lens that I think is like so interesting. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Anxiety often, I think, for a lot of people comes from a newness or the feeling of the unexpected or whatever. And a
2: lack of knowledge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and these folks are the pros. They have not all the knowledge in the world, certainly, but more than I think a great many of us. Um, and it it just shows with a kind of Comfort and ease in just being relaxed and silly both with their partners and in front of the camera That is something in some of our other make love not porn stars I usually don't see until their fourth or fifth or sixth video because we say yeah Put a camera in the corner and do what you would normally do And that's hard. It's like that is a tricky thing to do for us as humans um, and it's a beautiful moment watching newbies warm up and it's also really great to see, uh, these folks who are already used to the camera being present, letting down their performance. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that's really interesting. I think it was Olivia and Lazfire when they first started sharing videos on Make Love Not Porn, who they do a lot of porn as well, um, as a couple and they have like a whole production company. And I think that in one of their first videos, they said that like, it was funny to not think about the camera like where it was because they were so used to kind of orienting like especially like genital shots or penetration shots like towards the camera and to just like not think about that as much for Make Love Not Porn. I also thought was so interesting and in that it's just kind of like, you know, not unlearning good stuff about cameras, but just like thinking about it really differently with this different orientation.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. If folks want to go check out all of our videos from real world porn stars on Make Love Not Porn, you can search the offset tag, um, as in the sex they're having offset. So go and visit us at makelovenotporn.tv to check those out.
2: Do you think it's also worth saying that we send an email with all of these on Fridays? Like with all of the Mm. videos linked?
0: yeah that all that okay yeah um where should they sign up for that
2: um if they just become a member they'll be added to our like mailing list okay
0: we've also started sending out an email every friday with all the videos that we've mentioned here linked so if you sign up to become a member at makelovenotporn.tv you'll also be signed up for that newsletter and you'll get those links straight to your inbox Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of the Social Sex Revolution Podcast. For questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can drop us a line at podcast at makelovenotporn.com. We'd love to hear from you. I have been Bex Caputo. You can find me at bextalksex.com or on my other weekly podcast, The Dildorks, for dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating with sex journalist and my best friend, Kate Sloan. You can join the social sex revolution at makelovenotporn.tv to get inspired by how we all have sex in the real world. To see some goodies we've collected for you and to take advantage of a special offer just for podcast listeners, you can go to makelovenotporn.tv slash podcast. See you next week.